Someone shared this real Christmas experience when he was eight years old. Christmas came and I asked my parents for a Lego Star Wars set. Instead, Santa delivered a generic space mega block set, which for those of you who don't know, is a competitor of Legos. I hated mega blocks and I completely hated space sets. Space is not Star Wars. Mega blocks is not Legos. Wish that my tale had ended there. Unfortunately, more trauma was on the agenda that Christmas. I started to try and open the Mega Bloks box, but the packaging is shoddy, and every time I tried to peel the tape off, it splintered. After getting frustrated, I acquired a steak knife from the kitchen to cut the tape. Now, being an eight-year-old who at the time was lacking hand-eye coordination and common sense, I started to cut the tape with the steak knife blade facing up. As it started cutting, it was building up tension. Finally, it cut through, but with that cut, the knife broke free and found a path straight for my left eye where it lodged there. My parents didn't initially believe me when I told them there is a knife in my eye, as I was quite calm and there was no blood. My body was probably in shock, so there wasn't any pain. Finally, my dad took a look at the knife sticking out of my eye and quickly drove us all to the ER. So that is my Christmas experience. An eight-year-old spending Christmas in the ER because he had stabbed himself in the eye with a steak knife while trying to open a Mega Bloks space set. How do you start with simply wanting a Lego's Star Wars set for Christmas and ending up with a knife in your eye in the ER. This story seems very much like something that would happen in 2020. You know, I'm sure every one of us had envisioned this year to be very different than how it has transpired. Perhaps at the beginning of the year, we were looking forward to December because there would be a trip to Korea or Japan or even the U.S. or Canada. Or perhaps there was to be a milestone birthday or anniversary celebration that had been planned for over a year to be celebrated with friends and family. But it simply didn't happen. You feel sad because you only turn 18 or 21 or 40 or 50 once. You can only celebrate a silver or golden anniversary once. And instead of celebrating on a beach, you had a very lame virtual celebration without any food. You had such great plans, but things didn't go as you had envisioned. Well, if this is your life this 2020, then it's very similar to that first Christmas, specifically for Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. You know, Joseph is often dubbed the most forgotten man in Christmas. Throughout the birth narratives of Jesus, he utters not a single word, but his actions speak for itself in shedding light on how a godly person is to respond when things don't go as planned in your life. So we want to look through the lenses of his eyes as we continue our sermon series entitled, A COVID Christmas, Discovering Joy and Peace in Troubled Times. We are studying the birth narratives of Jesus according to the gospel writer Matthew. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1 as we exposit verses 18 to 25. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Here in these verses, we want to take a look at three things we are to do when things in our life don't go as we have planned. 
I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 19. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed, meaning engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now, to understand these verses, we need to understand the culture of that time. Arranged marriages were common, and once the arrangement was made, the couple was officially engaged. When they were engaged, they would in fact call each other husband and wife, but not yet live together. There would be at least a year of engagement, and this year of engagement or a waiting period was to demonstrate the faithfulness of their pledge of purity especially for the bride-to-be. You see, they also knew back then that it takes approximately nine months to have a baby, and they could count. If the bride was found to be with child during this waiting period, then it would indicate that she was not a virgin or had been unfaithful, and the engagement and the wedding would probably be called off. Mary was in this waiting period when she was found to be with child as a virgin not from another man, but conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit. In a corroborating account, according to the birth narratives in Luke's Gospel, the angel Gabriel had told Mary that she would be with child. It would be a child born to her in her virginity out of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 1, verse 27, that Joseph was already engaged to her. So presumably, Mary told Joseph about what the angel Gabriel had told her. Now remember, this has never happened before in history. A virgin giving birth. In fact, Joseph would have naturally been in shock. This is why we find out that Joseph initially didn't want to have anything to do with Mary or this situation because this story is so unbelievable. In fact, Joseph could have had Mary brought up on charges of adultery to protect his own reputation. And this would have been a natural course of action, and no one would have faulted Joseph. Remember, if he didn't report Mary and break off the marriage, and instead married Mary before the engagement period was over, then his own reputation would have been called into question. It was he that could not wait until marriage, and therefore he was at fault. But while the godly and righteous Joseph wanted to do the right thing, he loved Mary deeply and didn't want to embarrass her. Look what the Bible says. To make her a public example. And so he sought to quietly break the engagement off with Mary. In his deep love for Mary, he chose not to create a public spectacle, a public scandal, by bringing her to the elders and the judges, which would have resulted in Mary's death perhaps by stoning, but instead determined to annul the engagement quietly. Joseph may have thought, this isn't what I signed up for. I just wanted to go through the engagement marriage process with this wonderful woman named Mary, just like all my other friends. I wanted a wedding where the community can gather to celebrate with us. But now I'm left with the decision to publicly or privately annul this engagement with my fiancé, who is with child. What happened? Joseph must have thought in shock. All was going well one day, and now my whole world crashes in 
with what my fiancé now tells me. It's perhaps similar, but to a lesser extent, the decision of many couples who had big weddings planned this year, and they had many difficult decisions to make. They were probably thinking, why can't we have a wedding like all of our other friends where they had friends and family gathered to have a great time? But now we are left with a decision to delay our weddings with the hope that things will go back to normal so that we would have the wedding of our dream or perhaps to greatly simplify it and have the wedding now. But unfortunately, the community of friends and family we want to gather will not be able to celebrate with us. With a similar letdown, Joseph must have been wondering what has happened to all the things that I have envisioned and planned But I want you to notice this phrase in verse 19 that is used to describe him. It is said of him, he was a just man. Being a just man, Joseph was a righteous man. And in spite of what was happening all around him, things that were outside of his control, he just wanted to do what was right. And that's where we get our first life principle. Number one, for what to do when things don't go as planned. Do what is right. When things don't go as planned, number one, do what is right. Be guided by doing what is right. I think that's one of the hardest things to do when things go wrong, when things don't go as you've planned. In our frustration, in our disappointments of changed plans, we don't care very much about doing the right thing, much less being Christ-like in what we do. Because we didn't get our way. We don't see the need to toe the line anymore, to be good, to do right. For example, you don't care to be honest anymore when someone gets a higher grade or honor when you know that they cheated, but you didn't. Or you don't care anymore to do things ethically when you lose out on a business deal to another person who has acted unethically. Or you don't care to remain faithful to your vows when you find out that your spouse has been unfaithful to you, or you don't care to honor your parents when you realize they favor another child over you. But it is exactly in those times when your character truly shows itself to do what is right when no one else is around or looking. It is when things don't go as you have planned that allow your character to shine forth as brightly as it does for Joseph here in the Christmas story. He wanted to protect his reputation, to do what is right, but also to protect Mary's reputation. Even when he could have blown everything up and walked away saying, you know, I don't want to have any part in this virgin birth story. It's not what I signed up for. I'm out of here. But here the Bible tells us he was a just man. In spite of plans changing and in spite of the circumstances that were outside of his control, he simply wanted to do what was right. There's a song called Do Right, written by Ron Hamilton for a children's show, Patch the Pirate Adventure Stories. It's a really catchy song, but the words from this children's song nails what I'm trying to say. And it goes something like this. From the very start, have purpose in your heart to do what's right And never question why. Never count the cost, though everything seems lost. The price for doing right is sometimes high. Do right till the stars fall. Do right 
to the last call. Do right when there's no one else to stand by you. Do right when you're all alone. Do right though it's never known. Do right since you love the Lord. Do right, do right. Right is always right and wrong is always wrong. And we must learn to separate the two. If you love the right, the Lord will give you light to seek the right in everything you do. Do right till the stars fall. Do right till the last call. Do right when there's no one else to stand by you. Do right when you're all alone. Do right though it's never known. Do right since you love the Lord. Do right. Do right. It's a wonderful song that encapsulates that when we can't control the circumstances, when the plans of our lives fall through, just do right. And you and I have to acknowledge that there are many things we can't control. We can't control the circumstances around us. We can't control the events that seemingly overtake us. We can't control when our plans fall through. But you can control your actions. You can't control your words, your thoughts, your motives with the help of the Holy Spirit. You can do right according to the Word of God in spite of the changes in your plans. And that's what people like Daniel and Stephen in the Bible do when confronted with things in their life that don't go as they have planned. So if people say things about you that are untrue and their perception of you is unfair, since you can't control their perception or their words, then you don't have to mind them. You continue to do what is right. Just don't give them any ammunition or fodder to corroborate their lies or wrong perception. Just do right till the stars fall. Do right when you're all alone. Do right though it's never known. Look at verses 20 to 21 with me. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The Bible tells us that while Joseph was thinking through his options, an angel of the Lord came and told him that he does not need to be afraid to take Mary as his wife, because this child in her is from God. It's part of his special plan. And basically, the angel tells Joseph that Mary's story checks out that the baby in her is not from another man, but from the Holy Spirit, and that he is to call his name Jesus. Again, imagine how hard it would be to accept this news. If bearing a child conceived by the Holy Spirit through a virgin birth is something that has happened before, then perhaps it would be more acceptable to Joseph. For example, if a doctor tells a stage 4 cancer patient that he or she will recover, that is reassuring because it has happened before in the case of other patients. But how do you believe in something that has never happened before in eternity past, nor will it ever happen again in eternity future? It was a one-time event. It was something so new, so foreign, so unique, that Joseph had to be told not to be afraid, but to believe by faith. And to think the angel did not appear to Joseph When he was awake, the angel appeared to him when he was in a dream and spoke to him. 
how many of you would really believe that your dream is accurate, regardless of how vivid it was? It was a fate decision on the part of Joseph that would really have severe consequences. There was a lot at stake. There was a lot on the line to whatever Joseph decides. Because what story option would you believe in if you were given three scenarios for why Mary was with child before marriage? Option one, the story of a virgin birth, which has never happened before. Option two, the story of Mary being unfaithful to Joseph during their engagement and became pregnant through another man. Or option three, the story of Joseph unable to wait for the wedding day to have a child with Mary before they got married. Oh, the scandal, as most everyone would believe scenario options two and three only, no one would believe in option one. But because we know that Joseph doesn't leave Mary and stays with her, then scenario option three would be what the community gossiped about. And Joseph's righteous reputation would now be called into question. But in light of this revelation by God, this man of faith is no longer afraid and quickly takes Mary into his home as his wife to protect her reputation, which we read in verse 24. And as explained earlier, by doing so before the engagement period is over, then the focus of the gossip now turns from Mary and centers on Joseph. Because we all know how we think when we hear about a sudden quick marriage. In the back of our minds, we think that there must be a baby on the way. And this time, it is Joseph's fault. But Joseph's faith was such that he trusted in God's greater sovereign plan. You see, my friends, when things don't go as planned, you and I need to, number two, have faith in God's greater sovereign plan. When things don't go as planned, have faith in God's greater sovereign plan. Maybe you are skeptical that when things don't go as planned, that me saying that God in His sovereignty has a greater plan is simply an excuse or a coping mechanism to help you better handle your discouragement and sadness. And perhaps you think that as a pastor, I'm just wanting you as a Christian to blindly follow God in faith, to somehow defend God, not giving you what you have planned. But that's not the case. God's plan for us is always better than the plan we have for ourselves. If things change, then it is because a loving God desires to give us something better. While God doesn't necessarily need to fully reveal what His greater plan is, on this occasion, He reveals it to Joseph in verse 21. That this son, in the womb of his fiancée, the Virgin Mary, would save people from their sin. Is that greater than Joseph's wedding plan? That there would be a Savior of the world that comes through them? You don't get a marriage process that you hope for, Joseph, but God can now save people from their sins. You don't get to name your child after your own name, Joseph, but now God can save people from their sins. You will have to endure gossip and take a hit on your reputation, but God will save people from their sins. When you look at it from this perspective, it seems like an easy answer. God's plan are indeed greater than our own, specifically that of Joseph's. Look at verses 22 to 23. 
So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Here Matthew adds in verses 22 to 23 that this was all part of God's prophesied sovereign plan to save mankind. You see, when we trust God by faith, it isn't blind faith. The Scriptures are there to guide us and to assure us. And although this has never happened before in eternity past, and will never happen again in eternity future, it was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah from the Lord to comfort a hopeless people. That God would take on incarnate form and walk amongst us to be one of us. This is the meaning of Emmanuel, God with us. Mary and Joseph were part of God's greater sovereign plan to bring the Messiah to earth. From a human perspective, it completely ruined a beautiful plan of a couple in love. But from God's perspective, this was the perfect plan using the right people. In fact, notice that phrase in verse 22, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord. You see, Mary and Joseph would become famous as they believed God by faith and allowed themselves to trust the process. They didn't set out to be famous. They just wanted to be a couple who was in love who would get married. But they would now be forever known as the earthly parents of the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And so if you look at the bigger picture, who cares what people think? Who cares what the community says about you? You just trust in faith that God has a greater purpose when things don't go as you have planned. I look at my own life, getting undergraduate degrees in electrical engineering and mathematics to simply then go into the world of business and work for years as a management consultant and then to study theology and serve as a pastor. Wouldn't it have been better for me to simply study theology and ancient Semitic languages as an undergrad if I was going to be a pastor and not waste my years in the world of business. No, now looking back, being a math major and an engineer prepared me to think logically and simply. And working in the world of business allowed me to interact with people and to engage them to bring them towards change which then gave me the necessary skill set to be an effective pastor and teacher. God's plans are always greater than our own, even when we don't understand it. So if you're upset with how COVID has affected your life this year and how God has allowed your plans to be broken, then perhaps you and I need to see through different lenses to see that this unique year is an opportunity for us to trust God's greater sovereign plan. Because as a little saying goes, only God can turn a mess into a message, a test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph, a victim into a victory. Indeed, God is good all the time. God can, in time, turn even your deepest scars into your brightest stars. Are you using this season to deepen your faith walk? The people caught up in the Christmas story all had their lives shaken and all their plans broken. But they still, by faith, went along with God's plan because they trusted in God's greater sovereign plan. Remember, 
broken plans for a better purpose. Look at verses 24 to 25 with me. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. As James would write in his epistle, faith without works is dead. And it applies here in this situation. Joseph could have faith in the greater sovereign plan of God, but unless he took action, his faith doesn't really demonstrate itself in real life. But here we read that when Joseph wakes up, he did what God had commanded and married Mary, taking the brunt of the gossip from Mary and putting it on himself. Notice there are two other things he did in verse 25. Let's start with the fact that first, when Jesus was born, he named him Jesus as God had commanded. Now, why is this significant? As was the common practice of that time, one's firstborn son would be called by the father's own name. We see that in Luke chapter 1, verse 59. And so, Jesus should have been named Joseph, or Ben-Joseph, meaning son of Joseph. But to name him Jesus would have elicited more talk and gossip from among the community. The people would naturally ask, who is this Jesus? Who is the Father? But the name is appropriate because Jesus is simply a Greek form of the name Joshua. And the name of Joshua means he will save his people. And so the name Jesus means the Lord saves or the Lord is salvation. A very appropriate name for the Messiah. Again, it didn't matter to Joseph that his son didn't carry his name. Just that his son would save people from their sins, which served a far greater purpose. The other thing we see in verse 25 that Joseph does, which the Lord does not explicitly command, was that when he took Mary as his wife, he was not intimate with her until the birth of Jesus as a matter of choice. The word translated until or till in the Greek, heus hu, suggests that Joseph and Mary consummated their marriage after Jesus was born. And that's why Jesus had several half-brothers, as Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 tells us. And therefore, Mary was not a perpetual virgin, as our Catholic friends advocate. Why would Joseph choose to abstain from intimacy with Mary? The Bible does not explicitly tell us, but there is no doubt that it was to protect the supernatural virgin birth of Jesus and to end any doubt or question one might have regarding this. From this action on the part of Joseph, you realize he is living out his faith in God's greater plans. He is fully bought into the idea of God's sovereign plan, even at the expense of his own plan, his own idea, his own desire. In submission, Joseph sets aside his own plan to willfully accept the greater plan of God. He echoes the very statement of Jesus, who would one day say, Not my will, but thy will be done as he agonized over going to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. This has to be one of the hardest acknowledgments that a person can make, and then, of course, to also live out. Not my will, but God's will be done. To recognize and accept that your broken plans serve a better purpose, especially when you don't currently see how it does serve a greater purpose. You see, when things don't go as planned, 
like Joseph, you should, number three, accept God's greater plan through the action of sacrificial obedience. Accept God's greater plan through the action of sacrificial obedience. Accepting by faith God's plan in the heart and in the mind is one thing, but to show it through action is another. There is both obedience and what Joseph demonstrated through marrying Mary and naming his firstborn son Jesus, and there is sacrifice in his self-initiated abstinence until the birth of Jesus. All of this was done without Joseph saying a word. The expression of Joseph's action in these two simple verses is the very essence of sacrificial obedience, done without grumbling, without a second thought, perhaps even with a spirit of joy. Oh, it's so natural when we sacrificially obey to let the world know about it, to talk and talk, to see how hard it was for us to submit, and even to grumble and say, look, I had to do this, but it's for the Lord. But through our voice and through our words, it doesn't jive with the action of true sacrificial obedience. You know, every parent who has children knows something about this. When a parent tells a child to obey them and they don't want to do something, like, for example, stop their gaming and then go to bed, they will grumble, they will mumble. And, of course, that makes the parents annoyed. And the parents tell the child, why are you grumbling? And they snap back or answer back, well, at least I'm doing it. You see, I'm obeying you, turning off the computer, going to bed. I'm obeying you even if I don't really want to do it. And, of course, you feel terrible about this because they're not exhibiting sacrificial obedience, much less obedience. They are, through their words, expressing that they are made to do it. But it's so different in how Joseph expresses sacrificial obedience. Joseph says not a word. He obeys the will of the Lord to the ruin of his own. And his lack of mumbling or grumbling or complaining shows that he's in full acceptance of God's will, being better than his own. He has joyfully accepted God's will for his life in this matter. And so we see without a single word recorded in Matthew's gospel, we just watch Joseph. We watch how he responds to Mary's confession of being pregnant. We watch how he responds to an angel appearing to him during a dream. We watch what he does when he wakes up from that dream. We watch through his actions that he did as the Lord commanded. We see that when it comes to sacrificial obedience, actions speak louder than words. If it wasn't for Joseph's sacrificial obedience and action, Christ, the Son of God, would have been born into a broken family with divorced parents. Everyone has experienced broken plans this year, as it was the same situation in that first Christmas. But can we learn the life lessons that come with broken plans? That we continue to do what is right, to have faith in God's greater sovereign plan, to accept God's greater plan through the action of sacrificial obedience. When you apply these lessons in your heart, peace and joy will be yours in these uncertain and troubled times. Remember, sometimes we obsess over our schedules and plans, forgetting that our human plans are just best guesses since we can't see into the future. 
But God's purpose and plans are so much better than ours because they are not guesses. They are sure. Remember what Proverbs 16.9 says? In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. God is in the business of changing our plans to his plan, resulting in something much better than I could hope for. And knowing this truth should give us joy and peace in uncertain times. I end with this story. In 2001, I was in Cebu for our church's summer conference over the Holy Week. After the week was over, I was excited to fly back to the U.S. because of a trip that had been planned. But unfortunately, my flight through Hong Kong was delayed for a week, and I would miss my planned trip in the U.S. I tried to think positively at this sudden change in plan and was excited to hitchhike and backpack through Cebu Island. I had been backpacking all through my life, and I loved adventure. And so I planned to go south in Cebu Island to swim with the whale shark and to climb Osmania Peak and to climb up waterfalls and just enjoy the beauty of Cebu Island. Well, when the church in Cebu found out that I would be extended by a week, they insisted to host me. Now, I didn't know then much of Asian hospitality, but I didn't want to be restricted in my plans. I didn't want to have someone running my schedule. I didn't want anyone to host me. I just wanted to be free to explore the island. But my father talked to me and said that part of being a pastor is learning to accept hospitality when it is offered, even if it affects your own plan. So I begrudgingly accepted their hospitality and was saddened that I could not swim with the whale sharks or hike Osmania's Peak. But little did I know that part of the hospitality and hosting team that the church had arranged to take care of me was a very beautiful young lady named Cindy, who is now my wife of 17 years. As I look back, I'm now glad that I didn't swim with the whale sharks or climb Osmania Peak because I was able to meet my wife. But almost 20 years ago, I was very upset. But today, I would certainly not trade Fishing Mountain for a wife. Indeed, God's plans and ways are better than ours. And if our plans ever change or things don't go the way we desire, just sit back with peace and joy in your heart to see what amazing things God has in store. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful lesson that even I need to be reminded of. I like to be in control. I like to have things go my way. But in life, there are many things that happen that don't go the way I plan. May it be in those times that I will, like Joseph, continue to do what is right. To stand firm in my convictions, regardless of what other people say, to do what's right. To have faith in your greater sovereign plan. Lord, to understand that even if it's not revealed to me, I can with peace accept your plan. Build up our faith to see this. And Lord, I pray that through the action of sacrificial obedience, we will learn what it means to live out this faith so that the world can see that we are indeed followers of yours and we trust you with a whole heart, 
because your plans are better than ours. May this realization cause us to walk intimately with you and allow us to think greater thoughts about the greatness of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.